0: The following episode of Conference Room C, where the culture meets, was recorded in November, 2019, before widespread awareness of COVID-19 and multiple recent events of unarmed black people being killed by police. While some of the statistics quoted in this episode are now outdated, and we didn't cover certain issues because they hadn't yet occurred, the advice shared in this episode is in a lot of ways More relevant noun than ever now on to episode seven of conference room c hello and welcome to conference room c where the culture meets i'm your host dr a and today's topic is black professional magic yes with guests from the group recruit for the culture the verdict is in the business case for diversity has been built in every which way possible Diversity of people and perspectives positions organizations for greater success by giving them a competitive advantage in the global market. But how, you may ask? Well first, diverse organizations appeal to a larger market. Imagine wanting to expand into the Latin American market and you don't have not one person on your staff that speaks Spanish or understands some of the common cultural practices of Latin American countries. Imagine wanting to reach millennials with your product or service, and everyone on your staff and even in your leadership is above the age of 45. Not only do actions like this come off as tone deaf, it's also just not smart business. Having a diverse organization also ensures the highest quality talent pool. Diverse backgrounds lead to diverse experiences, which lead to diverse perspectives, skills and approaches. Oh, and by the way, which also gives way to innovation. The more diverse a team, the more team members will learn from each other and the better their solutions to complex problems. So the evidence is there and the majority of organizations, the smart ones anyway, don't need to be convinced anymore that a more diverse organization means better business. But often, organization leadership will think, we have a diverse organization, we are good to go, now we're cooking wrong. Diversity and inclusion are two separate concepts. A numbers-only approach to organizational diversity comes with a multitude of problems. Just increasing the numbers of certain protected classes in an organization does not ensure that they are included in work social groups, have equal voice in decision-making, or have equal power, and the list goes on. And what I've seen often is that organizations will do all right, just all right, on the diversity dimension and fail miserably when it comes to inclusion. This is an epic diversity management fail. Inclusion is directly related to employee engagement, employee performance, and retention. When an organization places inclusion as a priority, employees feel more valued and they feel more confident in their abilities. So let's talk about young black professionals and organizations where they are in the minority and inclusion is not necessarily a priority for the organization. How can they still be successful, engaged, and feel valued? With me in the conference room, I have three recruitment experts and co-founders of the group Recruit for the Culture. Anthony Mathis is a senior talent acquisition specialist with over nine years of professional experience. While Anthony has built a career around identifying top talent and introducing them to exciting opportunities, he also enjoys helping other young professionals develop and grow within their own careers. Ant, thanks for stepping into the conference room. How are you today?
1: I'm doing good, Amina, how about yourself?
0: I'm doing well, excited about this conversation. Next, we have Larry Fox. Larry is a senior technical recruiter at Fannie Mae. He has a total of 11 years recruiting, eight years in staffing, and three years in a corporate setting. Larry enjoys building community and helping other talent acquisition professionals reach their full potential. Larry, thanks for joining us. How are you feeling today?
2: I'm doing great, Amina, thanks for having us.
0: And we also have Chris Anekamon. Chris is a DC area recruiter who has been in the technical recruiting space for the last four years. He currently works at Fannie Mae where he supports some of the company's most exciting technology initiatives. Chris, it's nice to have you, you ready?
3: Yeah, thank you for having
0: me. So first, before we dive in, I have to point out that this was not meant to be a manual. You know, I don't want my listeners coming for me, but um, (laughs) I'm sure that there are plenty of women involved in Recruit for the Culture, as you can talk about in a few minutes. But also as the host of Conference Room C, being a woman myself, I feel completely confident in this panel. So first, tell us a little about Recruit for the Culture.
2: Recruit for the Culture is a meetup organization that we started January 2019, focused on bringing people of color in the space of talent acquisition together. And really, it's for kind of like a threefold purpose. We want to kind of inspire talent acquisition professionals to build this kind of authentic community, right, where we know one another and we're able to just kind of network and things of that nature. Number two, we want to inspire others to elevate their careers, whether that be talent kind of leadership or management or just growing beyond like the bounds of you're kind of accustomed to. We want to build confidence in others and really celebrate culture, right, in our true and proper workplaces, right? We, we don't want to be ashamed of who we are. We want to grow more comfortable and being authentic. And so, yeah, that's kind of our purpose of Recruit for the Culture.
0: Great. And I love how you spoke about being authentic, and we're definitely going to dive a little more into that in a little bit later in the interview. So maybe if one of you or all of you can give us the kind of quick and dirty of what the job landscape looks like right now. And as recruitment professionals, I'm sure you kind of see what's out there. You see where young Black professionals are and where they aren't when it comes to different career fields and organizations. So what's that looking like right now?
1: You know, as a whole, the job market is extremely competitive. I think the unemployment rate is somewhere between, I mean, under 5% right now. So, you know, a couple of things that I think is important to know, there's a lot of turnover within these organizations. Salaries are steadily increasing year after year. I think I read somewhere it's like for the past five years, it's increased by like 1.5, which, you know, makes it even more competitive, as you can imagine. Not just because of unemployment, but, you know, as companies start feeling more pressure to attract top talent, pay salaries are going to continue to increase. So essentially, you know, the motto is if you're not going to pay me, somebody will. So uh, it's extremely competitive. The job landscape is extremely competitive, as I mentioned, making our jobs as recruiters much harder, more difficult to attract top talent. But it's forcing us to be more creative in terms of like how we go and find that top
3: talent, which is why helping our members advance their skills is very important. You just mentioned black professionals and Again, just understanding this space that I, I predominantly spend a lot of my time in. Like I mentioned, or mentioned in the intros initially tech. So, I think there's been in the last maybe five years, there's been tremendous growth in in the amount of Black professionals that are coming into the tech space. Um, I still think there's a big gap, right, between not only the spaces that they're in in tech and the spaces that that I would say are fast moving, innovative spaces. There's still a big gap between where black professionals are in tech and in that space. But I feel like there's a the tremendous growth that has happened in the last maybe five, six years of just black professionals coming into that tech space. So that's just to add to that point about where a lot of black professors are right now.
0: That was actually going to be one of my questions. And another question I have just based on what has been said so far is when you're recruiting for these positions And I know you also do that for your day job and then you have Recruit for the Culture. As a recruitment specialist, how do you bring an awareness of the job landscape and maybe some of the gaps and where Black professionals are in the minority when it comes to certain professions? How do you bring that awareness into your recruiting profession? Just being intentional,
2: right? That's probably the biggest thing. You have multiple stakeholders, right? So we have like the company or or the hiring team or, or the client, right, that we work with. A lot of what we do is is really educating them on the market, wanting to just kind of bring in just looking at their particular team, discussing with them diversity, right just flat out like, hey, look, this is like a company mission or or an organizational mission and so hey, how does this particular position kind of map to that right And so we want to just kind of talk about in our kind of opening what we call kind of kickoff conversations. we want to talk about diversity, we want to talk about inclusion and we want to talk about sourcing strategies to find the best person, right? And so it's not always that person who applies. It's oftentimes looking in certain areas where we can just kind of drum up a different type of pipeline and find someone perhaps more diverse that can add to that particular team and kind of their dynamics, right? And so, and then on the flip side, I think as recruiting advisors or professionals, it's really up to us to be intentional about connecting with various communities in tech, as Chris mentioned, that could be organizations like Women Who Code, that could be organizations like the Black Code Collective, that could be lesbians in tech, right? And so we want to, as recruiting professionals, just kind of keep our ear to the ground and identify these communities, be part of these communities, and speak with these communities about opportunities with our particular company.
0: And I'm so glad you brought up pipelines and perhaps speaking with the hiring managers and stakeholders about looking outside of just those who apply. And I've seen in my own experience that sometimes when you just put out a job announcement, you're not reaching the breadth of people you really need to reach. So I'm really happy to hear that you endorse and are implementing some strategies to really have outreach beyond just the norm so that we can get the best talent no matter what their background is. My next question Social support and sponsorship are very important at any point in your career. What tips do you give when working with young Black professionals on how to build and leverage their networks within an organization?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, the first step for me was to find a mentor at this specific organization that I was at or someone, you know, that I felt comfortable interacting with on a daily basis. So someone who can, you know, give me the real about what's going on in the office show you what you can do to excel your career, who else to get to know, someone who is also going to advocate for you when that time comes. So, you know, I think that's the first important step in terms of getting yourself acclimated to the space, specifically as a um, person of color, finding someone who looks like you, who understands the lay of the land a little bit more than someone who doesn't necessarily look like you. So, yeah, I think that would be my my first tip
3: for young black professionals.
0: Okay. Anyone else?
3: Chris, you want to go? Yeah, I was just going to add to just to Anthony's point about finding someone that can, add, add, yeah, I feel like a lot of times when I have conversations with just younger Black professionals, I think the first thing that I that I talk to or you know, at least have a conversation with them about is trying to really narrow down specifically what space you want to be in or what position, target position you want to be in, find someone in that space or someone that is kind of made, maybe not necessarily in your company, maybe another company, but someone that Know that it's kind of made uh, or navigated their way to a position like that and having conversations with them and, and really understand kind of the obstacles that they face, the things that they still probably still face um, in their current roles right now. And I think that is a key thing for just, just getting to maybe where you want to be. Again, like I said, setting that goal this is where I want to be and finding someone that's in that position right now that can kind of help you understand what it takes to get there.
2: That's something that we try to advocate for and, and push for and educate people about when it comes to Recruit for the Culture in our particular community. I think everybody knows and understands, like, because we're, we're taught to work hard, right? To, to really work hard, come to work every day, you know, just grind and just keep your head low and things of that nature. That's kind of like the professional capital, right? But then on the flip side, when you think of kind of career advancement, mobility, pay increases, new opportunities, opportunities outside the company or within the company, a lot of that boils down to the social capital, right? So like, who do you know? Who do you know that could, in a meeting that you're not invited to, can advocate on your behalf to talk about your work and your deliverables and like your attitude to help you reach that next step, right? So I think sometimes we like, we see it, but sometimes we don't understand that like a lot of the opportunities out there are given to people who may have mediocre work but, like, they have great allies.
0: Mm-hmm. They have
2: great mentors. They are connected with those folks in the organizations that can help them maneuver and achieve new heights. And so, you want to have a great body of work. I'm a huge advocate for that. Like, do your best, right? Be a good steward over what you have. But then, on the flip side, you also want to build, I said, maybe finding a particular mentor, find as many allies and mentors as you humanly possibly can to help you know, again, you just navigate throughout an organization, particularly as Chris said, if that's something that you would like to do, right?
0: It's so important to have those advocates and allies in the workplace. And in fact, we have one episode of Conference Room C that's dedicated just to that topic of allied ships in the workplace. And this is such a good message to get out to people because, like you said, You know, we're taught from the time we're young, oh, you have to work hard, at least 10 times harder than maybe some of the dominant culture to get the same thing. But that's just teaching us how to grind and do the work. That's not teaching us that political savvy that we need in the workplace to get to those leadership positions. And I think that's really doing a disservice to our young professionals when we don't teach them those things as well. So as you all know, as recruitment specialists, Depending on the type of organization and the industry, the advice that you give young Black professionals as far as how to move into higher level positions or succeed in their workplace will have to be different. The tech industry is very different from the government industry, which is very different from nonprofit. And I know that just since announcing the launch of this podcast, I've had individuals from all those different industries and more express their excitement for learning more through this avenue so if you can just give a few pointers maybe based on the different industries just trends that you've seen pointers to help young black professionals succeed in various industries
3: to maybe kick things off just going back to tech again because like I said there are a lot of trends going on in tech right now I think a lot of times what I see and just from my experience of kind of being around and and going to events a lot of ways to be successful and stand out. And Larry talked about it a little bit is that social equity is going out there and being in those social situations. So for a young professional that's coming into, say, his first software engineering job and maybe he doesn't have a mentor or doesn't have anyone that can kind of coach him through, the best thing to do to kind of gain some of that social equity would be to go into some of those spaces. So that could be done via going to meetups, going to college events, for people in the tech space or just finding ways to just put yourself in a situation where you're meeting people from a social perspective and you're gaining building relationships and you're having the conversations you need to have. Because what happens is when you're having those conversations, that person that you met at event a or event B down the road, again, you can stack you can build that relationship to where that person can be someone you can leverage. If you're going, let's say you're, you're a software engineer, you've been in the space for three years now. And you want to apply for another role or there's a role that's out there that's interesting in another company. Or, well, oh, I met that engineer at just the red, right, that event. And, and that's the way you can leverage that relationship. We see that. I see that personally a lot. People will go to back to engineers will go to back for engineers that they know. They will refer engineers that they know. They'll speak highly of the engineers that they know. So again, gain that social equity by putting yourself in situations where you can build relationships and, and kind of harbor some of those relationships.
0: I think you're exactly right, Chris, that social capital and social equity cannot be overstated. What else?
1: My work focuses within the data space. I'm one of the principal recruiters for quantitative engineers and models for for my organization. And to be honest with you, in terms of African-Americans, we just aren't there to be honest with you. So, you know, in terms of like why that is, it's really difficult for me to speak to. It could be a number of things. It might be an area that, you know, we're not going to do, you know, in in terms of like educating ourselves in terms of college could potentially not just be an interest for us. But, you know, with all the talk around, you know, big data and, you know, cloud computing and everything, honestly, you know, within the data space, I'm just not seeing it. Yeah, I would say it definitely yields a diverse group of professionals that work within that space. But in terms of, specifically African-Americans. Honestly, I'm not seeing us being present specifically within that space.
0: And Aunt, is you being a recruiter that specializes in that space, is that also your background?
1: No, not at all. Okay, <laughs> not so at all. I
0: was like uh, going to ask, you know, how did you get into that space? But
1: <laughs> they threw me into it, I
2: guess is the best way to put it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Got it. Larry, did you have anything to add?
2: So, I deal a lot with tech, so much, Chris. I think Anthony's experience is a little bit more holistic. But, like, I think my advice to, like, young Black professionals, I guess, specifically, would come down to, like, these three things. First, I would tell anyone, whether you have a computer science background or or not, right, a non-technical background, I would tell anybody nowadays to, like, get into tech and or learn tech. Right. Like, think of the world, right? Think of all of the jobs. Anthony just mentioned, uh, d- you know, data and how important data is nowadays. And so, like, I would tell anybody, any, any profession out there, anyone looking for anything to do, like, learn tech. It would be crazy not to. Not saying you have to be a software engineer, but you could leverage technology to your advantage for whatever you're looking to build, right? So, you know, you're, you're building this particular community, leveraging a podcast, right? Leveraging tech. And so you're going to build a website, you have social media. And so there is so much to do within tech and it just like opportunities are endless, right? I think number two, aside from learning tech in some way, shape or form, I would say you have to find and get into a community of some sort, right? Whether that be NABA for National Association of Black Accountants. It can be SHRM for HR, it can be resourcing professionals, it can be recruit for the culture for our recruiting professionals. It could be whatever. Um, if there's not a community that's authentic to you, build one, right? But you want to have a community of people who come from different backgrounds but have the same goal and mission as you and there, there are people out there, right? So, so getting into tech somehow, learning tech, getting into a community of some sort, building community. and Last but not least, I'd say you definitely want to, I, I always try to tell folks somehow give back, right? Like not expecting that you're going to get something in return, but like you want to do unto others as, as you would want done to yourself. And so volunteering, giving back to the community, mentoring somebody else, going out of your way to be an ally, if at all possible, speaking on behalf of others who don't have a voice, right? So I think those three things, I think holistically you can span into tech or accounting or corporate or government or whatever to help someone, kind of thrive and and continue to kind of grow within their careers.
0: I really appreciate those three tips, you know, especially number one was learning tech because I was going to ask Larry how the least techie person in the world being me could learn any tech, but (laughs) you are completely right. You know, I've had to learn a lot of things just even a lot of techie things just to start this podcast. And I think, The giving back is so important because, as Ant was saying, you know, in the space he works in the data space, young Black professionals just aren't there yet, probably for a number of reasons. But I think in him, and the same with you, Chris, and Larry, just talking about your experiences with these spaces and as recruitment professionals will help bring the movement or push the movement forward. So what are the current general feelings about bringing your true self to work. As recruitment professionals and you're interacting with candidates for jobs at your organizations, et cetera, what are you hearing as far as whether people think they can be authentic or not in the workspace?
1: Honestly, I think it's difficult for some. I think it's still a struggle for a lot of Black professionals. I mean, even with myself, I mean, it's difficult because, you know, we're not sure what the expectations are. Am I supposed to be, you know, extremely articulate? Am I supposed to perform twice as hard or twice as better as my white counterpart. But also, I mean, you know, you're not sure if the expectations are like, am I supposed to be the cool, laid-back Black dude who, you know, can list the five greatest rappers of all time, or whatever it may be. I mean, it just makes us volatile because we're not sure. And what ends up happening is that, you know, we distance ourselves from our coworkers, don't really get engaged in, you know, in terms of, like, important conversations that might be beneficial to our careers. So it's truly out of fear. We're fearful of being judged. And, you know, some people go as far as if I bring my authentic self, I'm not going to be accepted. And eventually they'll try to find a way to get me out of, you know, this company, essentially. So I would say my tip for those is, you know, first of all, make sure you know who you are. You know, I think that's the the best key. I mean, whether it be in your professional life or even your personal life, know who you are. And that should eliminate some of the confusion that you feel in the workspace.
0: Great, great. And I just have to say, you know, I'm so happy that you shared some of your experiences, Chris, because I was at a recent training, it was an education event. And someone kind of countered one of my colleagues who was also at the event, countered her sharing some of her experiences of where she felt like she couldn't wear her natural hair in the workplace. I was flabbergasted that this person didn't understand that, like, that's kind of, not kind of, but it is still a thing. Like, this is how people feel. And then they're not just playing this out of the air. You know, it's because of long histories of ideal worker images and institutionalized discrimination and all types of stuff where people feel like they can't bring their true selves to work. So I think the more we can share these experiences with our counterparts, the better, because they really starts to understand, hopefully, um, that these are real, real things that happen and real feelings. I'm sorry, someone was speaking up? Yeah, no, that, that's a great comment. I think it's like a
2: multifaceted topic, right, which we could probably, <laughs> we probably have a whole podcast dedicated to it but i definitely do encourage right people to bring their authentic selves to work you don't want to shortchange who you are i think sometimes when people think of authentic we think of like sometimes i don't know why our minds go to some of the worst worst parts of us right and so like Aunt, are you from north philly or south philly or whatever and whatever right Aunt's from philly so like does that mean he should bring out north philly if he's in a debate no you know what i'm saying <laughs> like but like I think being your authentic or true self is being the best of who you are. You know what I'm saying? And so like, you just want people to be them um, so that that we can thrive. And so there could be, again, hopes of like an equitable workplace so that people from different cultures, different ethnicities, different religious groups, different backgrounds can like come together and do great work, right? Like to build great products, to build a great solution, you know, change the world or what have you. Right. So some companies do that. Well, other companies don't do that well at all. And so I think for larger organizations, you just, you know, you have to kind of gauge it, right. For smaller organizations and startup communities at times, they have this to their advantage where they can like build a great and authentic culture from scratch. So there's opportunities there, but like, you know, I I think it's almost up to the individual, right. Don't be driven by fear, right. As much as humanly possible. Be yourself. And that's the thing. If the organization won't accept that or if you're catching flack for that, hey, maybe it's time for you to roll out, right? Like, again, life's too short to just be fooling around with companies who have, like, jacked up cultures. So, yeah, do something else, right?
0: I hear you on that one, Larry, because I think so often, and I feel like, personally, as the child of baby boomers, millennial, I'm kind of like, I have to be in an organizational culture that works for me my parents are like, you have a good job. Like, what are you doing? You don't want to leave that good job. And they're just of a different Mm -hmm. mindset. And I just think it's so important that we pay attention to to fit because we don't always fit in an organization. It's not always the right place for us.
3: I was just going to add to the point of just being yourself in an organization, The sense that I think in the back of your mind, there's always a fear of, well, Will they accept the, the real me or me being myself with that put somebody off? But at the end of the day, it also empowers you. If you're yourself, right, you're more confident. You're everything feels more natural. Whereas if you're trying to kind of fit into a culture that might not necessarily kind of be a culture that you want to be in in the first place, everything might seem unnatural and, and, and which can affect your work as well. So I think you know, no matter what, in, in any situation, the best thing to be would be just can be yourself and and do what's natural to you. If you're a person that likes to come in and work if it's a casual environment, Mm -hmm. you want to wear sneakers, do that. If you're a person that has tattoos and you want to wear a short shirt, these are just just random examples. But again, state the point is just do what's natural to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And just to piggyback off of that real quick,
1: I think, you know, it's important to bring our authentic selves to work. Just because, I mean, you provide an opportunity to challenge these negative stigmas that as you just spoke to. Someone was reprimanded or whatever for having natural hair. But I mean, if you don't bring your authentic self, I mean, you could be a guy who has dreadlocks and, you know, be viewed as the company who brings a lot of great ideas to the organization that is going to be, you know, viewed as extremely valuable. By not being authentic self, you don't, you don't get an opportunity to challenge those stigmas that they have of us. So I think that's why it's also important, you know, to be as, as humanly possible, as authentic as you possibly can be.
0: And I have to say, Aunt, I agree with you. I am torn sometimes because I know that we get tired of always having to be the representative. But I think the mission, like you said, of of getting rid of some of those stigmas and letting people know, you know, just because I have dreads or whatnot doesn't mean that I can't offer valuable input and be an asset to this company. That's more important than our weariness. Mm-hmm. But um, once again, right. I think that's the importance of allies as well, so that we don't have to carry the whole burden of like changing some of those misperceptions in the workplace.
1: Absolutely. I mean, we have to be the catalyst because, you know, no one else is going to do it for us, you know?
0: Yes. So it's almost that time to get to the Dear Dr. A segment of the show. But before I do, before I bring in the story, I just wanted to give each of you another opportunity to share anything you wanted to about Recruit for the Culture or any um, advice or empowerment you wanted to share for the young Black professionals out there today, those who are looking for their next move in their career and those who are already in organizations. Let's start with Chris.
3: I think, again, we're group for the culture. Um, if you could follow us on socials, Instagram, Twitter. Yes, yes. Yeah. follow us on our meetup page, for mm-hmm. sure. To just, again, Black professionals out there, I think it's never like, again, I can't state this enough that Finding a community, right? Connecting with, with a community, no matter what you do, what your career goals are, find a community that's in that space, right? And again, that leveraging that is, is so understated because that can take you a long way and also help you just navigate through your career. So I think that's the biggest thing and, and probably the best advice I can give for people that are, again, either in a certain space right now or want to go into a certain space, find a community that's in that space and, and, and just
0: build from there. Thank you, Chris. Larry, you want to go next? Sure,
2: yeah. You can find us any social media platform, uh, Recruit Culture. We're doing some pretty cool things. We're doing some resume workshops for Year Up, the organization that, that helps 18 to 24-year-olds, typically minorities, gain access into Fortune 500 organizations. And so there's some volunteer opportunities that uh, this particular community would love to be a part of. Definitely check us out. Hit us up and follow us. And we'd love to have you all join.
0: Awesome. And? I mean, I
1: think everyone, you know, touched on, you know, where you can find us and, and, and what we're all about. But my advice to the young Black professional would be, is like mentioned earlier, know who you are. Also, seek out places where you are being developed, challenged, as well as value. And whatever space you're in, do all you can to be a subject matter expert within that space. And above all, I would say, you know, don't be afraid to shine because, you know, we need you, not just to further the culture, but also, you know, to inspire others.
0: Yes, I I love that. We need you young Black professionals. So the story for Dear Dr. A today comes from a young art entrepreneur. So as I read the story, if we could just think of some feedback for him, I'll give a little more after I finish. So here goes. I submitted a proposal to the Chesapeake Art Center for a solo exhibition. The coordinator was a white female. After reviewing my work, she said I could have a show. When asking for the paperwork, she took long periods before sending a reply. After continuing to message her, she told me that she actually didn't have me listed and I couldn't have an exhibition at the time. So I was told yes and then no for no apparent reason. If I was a white artist, I feel that it wouldn't have happened. It was almost as if I was isolated and no one had a problem with what took place. So I feel like this story could happen in any professional space. As I was first reading it, I thought of a few instances in my career, especially early in my career, where I was, I don't want to use the word promise, but I was led to think that I would be getting certain perks, but really it was just kind of a ploy to get me to do a certain task or work very hard, and then I was never rewarded. So what would you all say to young black professionals who are currently in their careers and they just kind of feel like they keep going for the okie doke and things that they've been told that they were going to get or things that they have earned and have not received. And they feel like no one's really looking out for them. What advice can we offer them?
3: If it's an environment that, again, values you and values the work that you do, that's something that they'll see naturally. Um, and those perks and rewards should come your way. But if it's something that, like you said, you're getting okie doke and you're getting, again, things promised to you, but nothing is really again, coming to you, I think at that point you have to kind of assess if that's an environment you want to be in, right? Because if you're hard work and you're putting in, we're putting in the effort, it's an environment that's not rewarding. That then you have to assess if that's an environment you want to be in, right? So, I think that would probably be the best advice I can give. is just looking and determining if it's something that, again, long term would. Kind of play to where you want to be, or if it's something that maybe it might not be suitable for you in the long run. So,
2: yeah, that's a good point, and I think that's a, one of the hardest things to do as a younger professional, right? Is like move off and say mentally, "Hey, if this organization doesn't value me, then they're not worth my time." You know what I mean? Because all we want at times is just a shot and an opportunity. But again, I think and Chris says it all the time: it's like things are. What is it? Either an opportunity
3: or. Lesson a, a, lesson or a, or a, a lesson or a
2: blessing. Yeah. A
0: lesson or a blessing. Oh, okay, I
2: love that. Yeah, I'm telling you, like we we should make T-shirts of that, right? Like so yeah. that for that young that. young lady, it's just true fact, right? Things are going to happen that are, you know, there's going to be inequalities. There's going to be biases. Obviously, without knowing that full situation, I'm going to lean on her her judgment to say, yeah, maybe something was up there, and that's going to happen. Again, it could be that spark that that person needs to say, yo, i I'm, I'm not going to play by these typical rules that are set by people who don't know me or who don't, don't value culture. I'm going to create something on my own. Right. So, and if your product is dope, if your art is dope and you know, there's a couple of other folks maybe in that same boat as you like create your own thing. Right. So it could just be a great opportunity to spin something up new that could be way better than what that organization, that art gallery is doing, you know, present day.
1: Agreed. hundred percent agree with Larry. I mean, essentially, I mean, it's, it's not the easiest thing to do, but just like, You know, accept it, move on, and understand that's not a place where you want to be, somewhere that's not going to value you. Find some place that is going to value you. Somebody eventually will. And even with that, let that, you know, lesson of being rejected empower you to make strides in building your own, like Larry said. So, you know, not only are you building something on your own, but you're also changing the landscape. the the landscape. So you could potentially, you know, hire people who are experiencing the same things that you're experiencing or that you did experience early on in your career. So yeah, definitely, definitely agree with Larry on that.
2: Yeah. Me and Chris have an example, right. of something very similar. This was, you know, a while back, Chris and I have worked together for forever now, but we've been, I mean, like really strong recruiters, right. (laughs) So it was a case where uh, one of our coworkers who was not a person of color we were just kind of chatting about different companies and really cool opportunities, particularly in the startup space. And we mentioned one company, right? Like, would be just like a great place to work ultimately. And our other coworker, who again, who's not a person of color, who is not even a recruiter, right? Who does not do what we do, <laughs> not to demean her skill set, but again, it was just a different background altogether. She was being hit up by this like startup opportunity. Kind of begging her to work for them and interview for them. And like Chris and I, who had the experience, have never gotten hit up by that company.
0: Yeah. Wow.
2: Right? And so it's like, what in the world? So we work at the same company. Chris and I really do that job day in and day out. This person does not. We have not even had a message from that organization. Right? And so that's not an organization we would want to work for. Okay. Right? At the end of the day. And as much as that sucks, you know, it kind of is what it is, but it's not going to deter us or stop us from grinding and doing what we need to do to, you know, just to be great.
0: And I love that example and just the overall spirit of going where you're valued. If I take anything away from this conversation, that's going to be one of the biggest lessons I take from the day. Chris, Larry, Anthony, It's been a pleasure. You've dropped a lot of gems that I know are going to help our listeners. Uh, I look forward to attending some events. But for now, I have to kick you all out of the conference room. It's been a pleasure, and I'm sure I'll see you on the outside.
2: Sure thing. Absolutely. It's been fun. Thank you. Thanks, Amina. Thanks for having us.